Thank you for joining News for the Culture podcast. I am your host, Bam. My name is Wallace. And today we have a special guest uh, with us, Jared Morgan. How you doing, Jared? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be here with both you brothers, bro. Man, we're glad to have you, man. How's your Sunday going so far? Uh, a little slow. Um, I did some uh, prep cooking. I'm bringing some food over to uh, my best friend. He just had a boy. Um, so we're going to cook for the family and bring them some food before you know dip in oh that's what's up man that's what's up you know it must be um kind of um unique to bring a child into this world during the pandemic you know how do you feel i've had uh so i'm 35 i had uh seven families in 2020 you have seven kids i thought you was about to say that Bro, I wouldn't be on no podcast on Sunday. I'd be having another job. Having <laughs> kids. Hell no. Nah. Hey, I, I messed with the hat there, brother. It was a nice hat you got there. Nice. That's a rattler, too, by the way. That's huh? a rattler, too, by the way, who made okay. the hat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get my Zo on, you know. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Get my respect to you. What we do want to ask, how is your current family, family dynamic? I know you are married. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Bam is married, but also. So I just want to see, like, how how we describe your current family dynamics. Uh, traditional. Um, me and my wife are married. We don't have any children. Um, we're actually probably going to start that practicing um, in December. She has uh, type 1 diabetes. And so um, operation that has to go into it um, to be even advised to have a child and it would be late um late term i mean 35 is, is i think after 32 in the geriatric ward so um that's us um i don't know if we're probably the the least craziest about children in uh the group of couples we're friends with but uh that probably is accurate we love to travel um we have a high sense of humor um very math analytical minds uh so yeah, I, w- I would say it's that. Uh, we've been married since 2017. Uh, met her in New Jersey um, and whatnot. So I'm actually about to drive to New Jersey too um, to take her to see her family. She hadn't uh, seen her family in like a year and the plane's not really all that safe. So I got to drive this Friday and I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> How many hours? 23. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be looking forward to it either, brother. I'll tell you. Yeah, I was going to ask, what are the steps that you are taking, I guess, to like plan for, um, child, to bring a child to this world? And how do you know none. when you're ready? And none. I'm doing none. I'm not a, I am a planner when it comes to like fun. Like I do plan well for that. So like when we do the boys trips, you know, Vegas, Columbia, you name it, I'll do all that planning. But when it comes to like life-changing events, which sounds kind of crazy, I just believe in taking it full on. Just meet the train where it's at on the tracks. Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know from my boys. Like, I go over their crib. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey, bro, you good? They like, man, just swing by. You know, drink something with me, smoke something with me. So I'll come by, and just for the record, that's cigars. Until <laughs> every country, that's cigars, um, legal in every state. So um, I go over there, bro. They look awful. Like, they look tired. They look like they don't know left from right, up from down. I'm like, bro, I'm not looking forward to that. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm paid enough at that time 
where I can have me an all pair or something. Oh, what like the economy would have made or something. They may not be able to speak yeah. English. But... I, I would say, like, what made you want to have like a kid right now? Or in December? Uh, so I think, you know, more or less it's time. I think we would enjoy a replica of who we are. Um, I think that's contribution to the earth too and populations like, you know, if we die, that's it, right? So having a child who, you know, hopefully instilling some of the same values and drive and passion that we have um, is part of it. But we did say that we committed to each other that if there was ever going to be more than one, one would be adopted. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. So, no, nah, there's people doing that, bro. I, I, until I sign some paperwork and get a kid, don't give me no credit for that, fam. Yeah. I'm also the type to take you back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Return to sender. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't do that, man. If I uproot I gotta, I gotta go through the good and the bad. Unless, of course, you try to kill me, then it's fine. All bets off at that point. Huh? Oh, yeah. It's survival, bro. I gotta kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's and right. luckily, we have like you walking the streets with that Second Amendment so I can feel safe. Right. There you go. Hey, that's why I support and have it. Mm hmm. <laughs> You know, it's a good conversation. Um, me and my wife, we we talk about that. You know, um, we uh, she she also has a condition that prevents her from. Um, she has a blood condition called ITP. Very rare. It's a chronic condition. So yeah, we plan on having it. Um, you shared that you married. I'm married as well. She's been been a little bit married longer than you have been married since 2012. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. All right. <laughs> It's yeah. like some ancient tribal stuff, bro. It's like married at like what nineteen? No, married at like I don't know. I was married at 24, 25. probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean, oh, you just a few years under me. Okay. Yeah, I thought long. you were like a decade under me, man. Nah, you know, I get I give off that impression sometimes. You know. Okay. You know, but um, it's good to hear that you know you're not y'all not overthinking y'all y'all will try to. Uh, you know, have some offspring. That's that's wonderful to hear. You know, I wish y'all much success come December. So, I appreciate your thoughts that, on. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Get your thoughts on this pandemic, man. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and stroll right up into that political uh, political realm. So, <laughs> give us your thoughts about the um the current political environment and this current pandemic we're in, and what are your thoughts on that? It kind of takes me back to. Uh, and I know some of you have heard the story, but I guess for the sake of uh, uh, awareness, I'll, I'll tell it again. But, you know, I didn't vote for Obama in uh, 08. Um, I voted for Cynthia McKinney. And I felt like I had a vote to play with being from uh, Texas. I was still voting absentee, even though I was living in Florida. So um, that kind of set the tone, right, for my political uh, background or understanding. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm much more uh, versed in, in business, but I do have, you know, strong opinions about people, uh, society. And so um, since I set the tone, man, that really put me in a, a contrast with Black folk, right? Like, I mean, there was a few Black folk. I think Tavis Smiley um, that were vocal about uh, being leery of uh -huh. blindly trusting Obama, right? And uh -huh. not seeing what it was. Um, I do think a lot of the criticisms against Obama on a foreign approach are a little, little uh, exaggerated. Um, 
considering what we do overseas. Um, but um, I was very critical of a lot of the capital people, capitalistic people he put in his board, mainly from Wall Street um, on his cabinet. And then he had uh, a person that was a CEO or an executive at Monsanto uh, over the FDA. And I thought that was ridiculous. So it was one of the things where I felt like I could never really hold Obama accountable because of the disgusting tactics on the right. And a lot of times what I think that comes down to is, you know, it works for the both of them. It's this adversarial nature that allows them to be relevant. And so um, it's kind of like that now for me, like uh, politics now is way more vitriol than it was uh, in previous elections that I've been a part of. Um, and it's very toxic. It's almost like your set of facts versus my set of facts rather than people both agreeing that we can find real facts that we can all settle on. Uh, so that's disappointing. Um, I think it's become very uh, hot take-ish. Um, headlines and those kind of things really influence the conversation a lot more than what they used to. And people just don't seem as interested in substance. Um, and so the level of detail and all of that is almost considered exhausting to most people. And so oh. how do you reach them um, about things that have systemic things involved in them, right? And the decisions they make and they can be long lasting. And how do you, how do you make a person aware of that, make them care about that when their attention span is shorter? So it's, it's a tough deal. I, I, I don't wish it on anyone. And that's why I'm not a political consultant. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you made a great point. Um, one of my friends, um, or colleagues, uh, he had posted on Twitter, he's like, Obama was literally like a Trojan horse for the city group or like other things, like describing like how he represented like establishment. And my biggest thing is like, what come down to the voter die people, like fast forwarding right now. Uh, my biggest critique about the vote or die people is like, they often disappear after elections. So, you know, they'll kind of shame people, gaslight people, manipulate people until um, telling them to vote but when it, it's time to like say hey let's say for example Biden and Kamala Harris get elected if you ask these people like what how are y'all going to hold them accountable when they do bomb other nations or when they start policing or put us in a police state or how how we're planning when they you know when they still reinforce ICE, the things that we still complain about under Trump, but when they do it, how are y'all planning to hold them accountable? Because when we come down to Obama, he did a lot of these things. He was known for being like the captain of deportation or bombing, dro dropping thousands of bombs in the Middle East or like supporting writing Blue Bill or certain things like that. And people still call him Barry and have coffee mugs with his face on it. It's like, how do we engage people? And I know you say you're not a political person, but what are your thoughts on like, cause we're about to in, in enter that realm of elections and stuff like that. How do you navigate through that? So I, I, I like originally, right? Like I grew up traditionally um, Christian, AME uh, and United Methodist, but my parents always gave me free range to learn. I, I came from a family of thinkers scholars, uh, mainly in education and law, but um, I mean, my great grandparents went to, went to college. So I know that I have advantages and privileges, uh, regardless of money, just even the awareness of higher education 
uh, than you know a lot of people, black or white, right? And uh, from that, there's always been a sense of accountability for others. Um, so because of that, I, I started out probably pretty conspiracy theorist around 15. Um, I was deep on black knowledge before, but the conspiracy part is not really the same thing to me. But I got more into that due to uh, Roz Kaz's Soul on Ice. I don't know if y'all know that album, but it's uh-huh. a deep, deep album. I thought um, you were talking about the book. <laughs> no, nah, so uh, he definitely named it, I think, as an OD to the book. But he's got a, I mean, to show you the kind of range, he's got a song in there where he's talking about clubs, strip clubs, and then another song he's talking about a conversation between him, God, and Satan. And it's, an, it's, it's, it's eye-opening because <laughs> more than often than not, the devil and, and God agree, um, which is, uh-huh. throws people a whole way off, yeah. So um, what, what I'm getting at, though, is that I'm probably less conspiracy theorist than I was. And the main reason for that isn't like maturity or interest in, you know, business interests and in the way that things are. It's literally because for a lot of that stuff to happen, a lot of things have to be coordinated and sophisticated. And I think people overestimate how unsophisticated a lot of these systems are. So, for example... We talk, we say that immigration piece about Obama, right? Who did single hand who gave who did more than him single-handedly for black folks in terms of reducing Hispanic population so that we remain the second most influential group? I mean, that's one way to look at that, right? But who would who, who would look at it that way and describe it that way? But is that not a benefit to us? So it's it's, it's hard to explain it in those terms because in a humanitarian aspect, right? Wrong is wrong. But when you look at us as a strategic group, how do you weigh those? And I think those things are just way more complicated than we appreciate and have dialogue for. But um, as far as even the Wall Street thing, like I criticized him for it, but I don't think he gets elected without it. Like that influence of power and and money in certain spaces is needed. Um, So it's like, do you have a beef with the position itself? And maybe that's the case. Maybe you don't like the way our government is set up. Maybe you don't like the way our president is set up. Maybe you don't like the way White House operates. You know what I'm saying? So are you expecting someone to sit in a toxic seat and not be toxic? I don't know that that's necessarily possible. Um, So it's almost like a framework of working with what you have, at least for me. Um, Because at the end of the day, you know, I might think strategically long-term, this doesn't make sense. But if this saves a child and saves a person, they don't give a shit about long-term. They, they care about eating the next day or being alive. And so when you talk about what matters, it means, you know, it depends on the audience. Um, but yeah, to, 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 to I, I don't know. I think you have to make things relevant and real for people, for people to react. Um, you know, sometimes we'll sit here and have banter about different business decisions and their impact on the, on the market or whatever the case may be, which has value, right? But at the same time, the average black person ain't in the market. So they like, well, how the fuck does that trickle down to me? And I think that's a fair question. And it takes someone to really peel back those layers and those onions to really get through to how that trickles down to you. If companies can't borrow capital the way they normally do for business operations, how can that impact the average person You know, that doesn't work for them? And it can. And so you have to make those things relevant. You have to bring A to Z. And I think the desire to do that is decreasing because Trump has masterfully come up with this way of 
Not only do I have to not go A through Z, I can stop at G, highlight G, scream it, and now we're talking about G instead of the whole alphabet. And, and, and it benefits him, whether we talk about G in a negative or a positive way, the fact that he got us to stop on G, we the dum-dums. So it's, 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 it's tough, man. It's not an easy thing. No, I understand. I kind of like, you made one good point. Uh, I kind of, the reason I bring up a lot of critiques of Obama, uh, I yeah. try to bring up to the idea of that regardless of Obama, mm-hmm. Biden, Trump, the presidency is not inherently an imperialist seat. It's a capitalistic seat. It's mm-hmm. a white seat. So regardless of who's in that seat, that's their job to uphold those establishments. And for us to dream of liberation, we have to dream beyond the idea of voting or beyond the idea of operating within this established system. You know, that's so when I tell people like I don't I might not vote this year, I'm like it's I'm me I'm dreaming beyond the idea of operating within this establishment, operating with this thing. And this is not me telling people to be politically lazy. It's like how do we dream of being politically being politi- politically active every day? Um, whether it's through educating educating people um, about democracy, educating people about different people we can fight for, like op- fighting for prison um, people who are in prisons rights to vote or different things, little things like that. How can we start those conversations instead of these conversations are that are theatrical, like impeaching Trump or just little things like that we wasted so much time about that we know is just like, it's performative. Um, Yeah, I just try to like encourage people to say, how can we dream of liberation in a more humanitarian way, more broader way for everyone? Yeah, and I think, you know, critique for these positions is necessary, and it's 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 you like it it has to happen because it's it's how you move the needle. But at the same time, we have to have real conscious conversations about what does win look like, and when when are we when are we good with the win? Because a lot of the times, what we have is leverage is embarrassment, right? Public embarrassment is probably one of the strongest. Um, ways to influence people um, or try to, to to build some kind of incentive culturally is these public embarrassments, right? But we waste a lot of the time doing that because Twitter and Instagram is basically giving it to us unfiltered with, a, with, a, with no tap. So literally, you're giving all these opinions all the time. And now, like, if I demonize Nancy, right, what incentive does Nancy have now on, on moving into a better space? I've already demonized her. I keep doing it. So it's like, what can I leverage? And I think we don't realize how much in this oversaturation of our opinions and our ideas in, in, in a very public square, we give away our power doing that. And I think that's a, 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 a it's not going to be a friendly conversation because Twitter and Instagram doesn't want you to leave those platforms. But, you know, it, it, there's power in, in not expressing everything that you feel every second. And I think a lot of people don't see that value and they end up, you know, coming off contradictory and all these other different things just from thinking things out a little further and holding their ideas and their opinions. But even to your point about more specifically, you were like, how do we change the narrative and the conversations about different things? And I think part of that is researching organizations that do that stuff. Um, They usually need your help in putting a lot of those topics and ideas in, in the public stratosphere. 
Um, and then also, too, uh, you got to get involved locally, man. The politics that impact you the most are the ones around the corner from you all the time. And people have heard that, I believe, but they, it's still not ringing a bell because obviously the presidential election shouldn't get out 80, you know, 60, 70 percent of the vote and the county commissioners vote uh, um, election gets out 10 percent. Like, are we really hitting at home? And so we have to really figure out how to make sure people know that. For example, you know, where I'm working right now, consulting in government, I, I hadn't consulted in government before. I've always been in corporate America. So we went to commissioner's court here in Harris County and asked them for 12 million. I don't think they've ever asked for more than one out of this office. Bro, they gave us everything plus two more. So that shows you the kind of money they got, right? And they didn't, they didn't blink an eye. So the fact that, I mean, we had a lot of stuff on there for social distancing. Um, I got some TV screens. I'm building this tech dashboard for, you know, issues uh, that arise from voting and pops up on a map, like a heat map. It's some dope stuff we're building. And so just to show, like, I, I, I didn't know come before coming into this office that county commissioners were more important than city hall, right? Like my basic understanding of city government, I would have thought city council, plus they get on TV more. They're more, it's more the sexier job but they don't have even half the money. So it's like, do we really understand our local government, man? And I'm 35 and I'm just finding that out here. And I'm from here, right? So it's like, I know for that, if I'm an example of not, of being unaware or ignorant, how many more of us are? And so uh -huh. I think it's really about making that education piece sexy, making knowing stuff sexy. I don't know how to do that. People usually get annoyed by people who know shit. No, that's a great right. point. Right, they like to call them a know-it-all, but then like, hey, I'm trying to give you the knowledge. Or they may, if you're black, they may call you hotel. So, so. Damn, I swear to God, I have never called a dude a know-it-all, a woman a know-it-all in my life. Only if I was trying to give them critique on influencing people, right? I might have said, Ave, I know you know this, but don't do that. Because what that does is put them in a defensive position. That's the only time I've ever used that term. But talking to me, please introduce me to a nigga that know-it-all. I mean, what, who more know-it-all than God? Like, I want to meet the know-it-all, know-it-all. Right. So it's like, yeah, like, I, I welcome that. Make, give me shortcuts. I don't want to sit here and read every book on mankind. I want right. you to shorten that thing for me. Right. Uh, I'm going to get to one bad point. I don't think people call people who are best know-it-all hoteps. I think the problem with hoteps are they rely on a lot of misinformation. And I'm saying this from somebody who was in Black academia. It's like, dude, like what? Black academia. Black. Oh, okay. I was in school for um, African. Yep, yep. So when, I, like, for example, like a hotel thing would be like, oh, they'll talk about the Willie Lynch letter, and it bring up to them like the Willie Lynch letter is a fictitious letter. Be like, no, nah, bro, no, nah, bro, this is a like. If you can, you can, you can say there's valid critiques, but they often rely to like grandiose, um, highly um fictional or I would say fictional but highly exaggerated um imagery of what they think of history. So when we talk about Egypt, they'll say like we came like common thing is we come for kings and queens. Most people hey, were farmers. Hey, so it's just like to, it's just really a lot to, of things. What I was gonna add just really quick on that one point you mentioned with Willie Lynch, right? Like who, did, who stood the most to gain? So basically what they did, most of what's in the Willie Lynch letter is observable, right? You don't need a letter to fucking validate 
as exactly. people separated you by complexion. But the letter inserted this seed of doubt that that even happened because it's false. You feel me? So exactly. who really wrote that? Like, if I'm a white supremacist, I'm writing that. So I, so I can debunk or lessen the sting of slavery and the impacts of slavery and Jim Crow, whatever, by inserting this false document. And it's like, that's ridiculous. But it's clear that document is false. Like, And, and it also kind of gets into that whole conspiracy thing when I was saying that earlier. People weren't that sophisticated to produce that anyway. Exactly. They just knew to keep niggas separate. I mean, that's common sense. If you don't want to fight the you divide it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, throughout history, you can see it. But mm -hmm. one like Chef also, because you talked about how you're big on businesses. Do you have any business venture on yourself? I know you talked about you in government consulting right now. Is there yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do. It's it's called uh, Easy to See Consulting. I do change management. Um, there's two schools of change management. So one is uh, IT tech, which is more about the changeover between various systems the company is implementing. So it's a little different. I'm more in the business psychology side. So impacting people, providing incentives um, that in, in, you know create certain culture changes. Um, you know, that, that comes with data analytics, um, behavioral modifications, all these different things that um, I bring into you know, business um, from training and you name it. Um, and then also too, um, I've been an investor in a few things and um, I've had like two apparel companies over since I graduated from FAM and they've done pretty good um, and sold or whatever and I've sold the brands. But um, right now too, um, I'm currently an investor in home health. Um, seeing a, a lot of my elderly die and have subpar uh, quality of care uh, was important to me and so when a person came to me um, in one of my organizations and said he had, you know, this idea for uh, home health uh, organization, we had some serious talks about how I felt, you know, black people are disregarded, like whether it's the pain, you know, we're considered having phantom pains, no one believes us, no one, no one, you know, tends to us. And I was like, I wanted to change that. So I wanted like a company or be involved with a company who put the patient first and literally was culturally sensitive to black folk. And so and older black folk, right? And that, that takes a certain care and concern because um, we don't all get along, right? Like I rarely get along with my grandfather and we probably bump heads every day. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's an art form. And so I wanted, I wanted to be involved with a company who put it first as an art form to be a catering to black folk. And then obviously if we can turn a profit while doing that, <laughs> by all means. Right. But I don't believe in predatorial businesses like you'll never see me invest in a pawn shop or uh, and, and the, the funnier thing is I don't think they have to be that right like some of those things can be legitimate businesses that help people in a pinch and, and but they need to be regulated way better than what they are and they the way they are now it's just so sharky I'd never in, invest in that one of my boys he did want me to invest in a pawn shop straight out of fam and I was like nah oh, I hear you that man Oh, yeah, I know they make money though. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know they. they you, know, you sell yourself for them, and they give you with it um, the price of the discount. They they up they upsell it to somebody else. So definitely understand that they give you pennies on the dollar. Yeah, and it, and I just I I prefer my spirit not to be tainted with profiting off of despair. Um, but who's to say I haven't done that on some other level with uh, some of these other multinationals I've worked for? But I feel like that's so direct. I can do something about it. And one of the things I can do is not do it. Now, right. if I can get a good deal of money and do better responsible lending, 
Um, I, that's something I'd be interested in looking more into. Definitely get that. Definitely get that. I wanted to um, scale back and talk about like the education of political engagement and like you know you saying you just learned about the um, the actual power dynamic between the county commissions versus the actual city officials. But I wanted to like tie that into the recent NBA protests. Mm-hmm. You know, so the NBA players were protesting specifically the Milwaukee Buck players, and they got all the different leagues different uh, contemporaries to protest as well. So I want, I'm going to get your thoughts on it. I'm going to give you the question, but so I'm just framing it right now. So they actually protested for the officers to be arrested. They spoke to the attorney general for the state of Wisconsin. But what they ended up getting was completely different from what they initially protested. Now, but not to say that it wasn't valuable because one of the major things they got was to convert all the NBA arenas that they're not using into voting sites knowing that you're working with your county commissioners, you know, um, with an upcoming election. How do you feel about that? You know? They stole that from us, by the way. <laughs> nah, I'm dead ass. Dead ass. Black county clerk. Literally, we went and got NRG for the, for, the, for, the, for the Texans, and then we went and got the Rockets. As soon as we closed with the Rockets, people started saying, other NBAs were like, we want to do blah, blah, blah. Bruh, I swear to God, they stole that from us. It's almost like it wasn't even a thought. Now, I, I know some of these places, you know, they're private. They don't want to have people in and out of their facilities that don't go through any type of training or certification. And I can understand that. But I also understand the other side is, motherfucker, these are ours. Like, we, we build these things. Like, we fund them. So you right. don't even get saying that to me. But, yeah, no, that's something we should have been doing. You shouldn't even need COVID to get huge spaces, public spaces for people to vote. Like, the limited and the limitations on, on voting are, are so stupid. And not only that, I've seen how people can try and rig a, an election. When I tell you it's impossible, it's impossible, not mechanically. Now, they, what they can do, right, is, is influence people's thoughts. Can, Cambridge Analytica showed us that, right? Like, they can get online, keep flashing these thoughts, keep pumping these thoughts and, and influence an election that way. But then who's really responsible? I mean, granted, I, I think we hold those companies responsible for that shit, but at the same time, who's gullible? Like, you know, some people are probably not even responsible enough to vote. We're being a thousand. So um, that's kind of how I feel about it. NBA protests are cool. Um, I think it brings, you know, more awareness to to a certain individual who might be fans of the sport teams but doesn't have a, a, a dog in that race. And then they're kind of forced to make a decision. Like, are you still going to be your – a fan of LeBron or Kawhi, and if you do, this is what the fuck they care about. But I don't know if they put forth any policies. Um, I did read somewhere earlier today that the NBA governors are being held to something, and if they don't do it, the players will go back on strikes. So I don't know what it is that they the social justice committee. Social justice committee is what they want. It was three things. <clears throat> it was to convert all the empty arenas that they're not using to polling places. Um, the second thing was to create this social justice committee that's comprised of players, coaches, and the owners. And the third thing is more advertisement talking about the upcoming elections. Remember, I said, I remember I stated that the original, the original protest the Milwaukee Bucks initiated was to arrest the officers that uh, murdered um, Brother Jacob Blake. But, you know, they said. Not murdered, him. right? No, he's not dead. Yeah, oh, no, I'm sorry, you're right. Thank you for the correction. He is paralyzed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to say quickly, I don't see 
Bitch, I haven't really followed the um, strike. I didn't see like the requests or the demands or anything like that. But yes, once I look into it, I'll you know have better opinion. But but it's based off what you said strictly, um, yeah, it doesn't correlate at all. Like their demands, <laughs> it was not, like, one of the things they already had in place. They already had like a committee in place, um, and telling people to vote is not going to stop police brutality at the end of the day. Yeah, like. Yeah, it, it, it's and it's it's an attempt to not politicize sports, right? And it, and if people want sports politicized, they just have to make that apparent. So when people hold certain positions, support that. And people hold positions or thoughts that are anti you, do the same. You know what I mean? In, in opposite energy. So, you know, I, I I sympathize with some of the players in some ways. It's it's they're asked to be something that they aren't trained to do, that they're, they they didn't go to school for, and it's. Like people go, well, you making a lot of money off? Yeah, you paying a lot of money to swatch motherfuckers. Right. So it's on you. Like no one said, hey, I'm not dribbling unless I get 10 million without there being an audience. There's an audience. So yeah, and I think I think we could let up on that a little bit because obviously I think it ruins our credibility of any movement to put people in front of cameras that can't articulate our positions well. So. You know, I don't, I don't care if, if Kawhi says Black Lives Matter, but if he can't articulate any policies, he's doing us damage because then people can see that and go, see, then I don't even know what you want. You sound stupid. Right. So, right. It's one of those things where I, I feel like we could take a step back and really think about what's our plan. And we never do that in any organization, any company. Our plans are just always trash and short term. So we agree. Planning is probably the biggest frontier for Americans. We agree on that. I don't believe musicians. I don't believe athletes. I don't believe anybody with celebrity status that's not in academia or that's not articulate should be um, the spokesperson for all Black people or should be looked to as a spokesperson for Black people if they haven't, they don't have like the pedigree or the background to be speaking on certain topics. Um, but I do believe a, a person can be a fan of whatever they want to be a fan of. And if you want to support musicians that support your fucking causes, by all means, you have every right to be vocal about that. But to, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, when they, when the chick get online and she ugly as hell and a dude get on her page to tell her how ugly she is. Why don't you tell the woman you really like how beautiful she is? Spend time right. doing that. Like, that's more productive. Right. So it's one of those things, too. It's like, if you don't like her ass, stop buying her album. She'll feel it. Right. She'll feel it. But if you keep complaining and pleading, that just looks goofy to me. It's a waste of energy. I'll say this too, you know, just bring some more context in it. Now, the, the NBA stopped um, participating in different games back in March. So to restart the season, the NBA owners had to had to give up some concessions, and those concessions were, you know, those logos, those slogans on the back of their jerseys, "Black Lives Matter" and whatever you may have it. Um, they also allocated three hundred million dollars for the next decade. Yeah towards uh, equality, uh, social justice, equality efforts and supporting those different organizations. And so they had already secured concessions, you know, from the NBA. So that's why like, you know, when certain people online, like you say, like Twitter is like a cesspool of opinions at this moment, um, stay up, they stay online, they, you know, some people cheer, oh, you know, it was great that they got that. But then when people really analytically look at this stuff, like, um, that don't tie in together. That don't really correlate, you know. But 
I do understand what you mean, you know, like they should be able to be a fan of certain movements because it does affect what does affect them and and or it does resonate with them. And I'm um, pretty sure Dan Gilbert found 300 million in his couch. Right. Man, you know, don't, I'm not even going to start about Dan Gilbert and LeBron going back to Cleveland without an apology. But, you know, we're not going to get me started on that. I thought he did. I thought he did, though, man. I think he did. He, he took down the letter that he had up ever since LeBron was in, uh, in Miami, but he never I thought he, publicly apologized. I thought he made a, pub, a PR, a, a public release saying he was sorry. But nonetheless, I have no dog in that race. I give a shit less. If a man <laughs> disrespected you and you feel like he did enough to, to bring you back in the phone, mm. rich white people apologize all the time over money. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, man, that was like um, the only other thing I wanted to talk to you about Talking about the political realm, we could jump it off uh, after this, right? Um, Talk about everything, man. From politics to strippers, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite strip club. So, I always think. Um, oh, you know better, man. It's Atlanta. Everything <laughs> in Atlanta. So it ain't even close. Houston women, man, they walk around like I'm thick. Tip me. They smoke. I low key do not dance. Strip clubs. What'd you say? I low key want to go to Houston strip clubs. I'm a. I mean, it's it's a conversation, really. Like they they. They really don't deserve any tips, and they gonna sit there and eat your chicken wings and smoke. Yeah. So you saying right? And drink your liquor. We're gonna say this on public air. Are you saying Atlanta strip clubs are better than Houston strip clubs? Oh, there's not even a question. If a, if if a dude from Houston tells me Houston has better strip clubs, I automatically assume he's never been on a plane. Mm. Or never traveled. That's just no way. More travel. Yeah, wow. just, you ain't never been to Atlanta. I gotta assume that. Yeah. If all you've been there is Fort Worth, well then yeah, all right. You got the best trips. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you from my opinion, living in the Metro Atlanta area, the Miami strip clubs are way more crazier than Atlanta. Yeah, but it's it's that's real, but it's expensive. Like, that's a, yeah. that ain't a weekend move. It's it's something. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like in Atlanta, going to a strip club is very casual. Like, I, I, I go there just not even for, like, see strippers, like, for food. I'd be like, just the yeah, art. Yeah. Like, people, the hangouts, the hangout. Yeah, like, strippers fly to Atlanta just to perform. Like, it's not like they're just, um, they're very, um, their movements are very poetic in a sense. Like, I'm not, I don't go to, like, for me, I don't go to strip clubs. It's like fetish bodies or anything like that. It's just like, just the art form of their movements and everything like that is just beautiful. And I don't think like you get that from a lot of places. Like even like being DC is like, you know, not, I'm not trying to like compare it, but it's like, it's a different vibe, a different energy that they put into their craft in Atlanta. Like when you know you're in Atlanta, like, you know you gotta show out. Cause uh, I, I appreciate the women staying fit for their practice, for their, um, for their trade. I appreciate that, you know? <laughs> And ours are, are attractive, right? Like, that's how Drake found Malaya and, and stuff like that. So it's not like we don't have attractive women. It's just the expectation of performance is low. So it's like they don't have to, so they don't. And I would say, too, the, the difference for me, like, between Miami and Atlanta is you're going to get a little bit more variety in racial background, ethnic background. And then you can take a couple of bands, I think, in Atlanta and be okay couple of bands ain't gonna rock with you really well in Miami. Like you can go and waste it, but you're gonna feel insignificant in KOD or any place like that. Cause that's, it's way more money being thrown. 
So I feel like Atlanta, like you said, is it's more accessible to the common person than it is, you know, Miami's like, if it's celebrities in there, you might as well just go on. Yeah, it's an event. Like KLD, you go in there for a weekend, that's an event. Like just to let you brothers know KLD no longer exists. Right. I thought no, KLD I reopened. Mm-mm. And you know who you know who owned KLD? A white man. Nah. So you know who owns a bunch of these strip clubs? Now he might have sold them in the last few years. Y'all remember the song um, "Put It in Your Mouth" by Akinelli? Yeah. He owned a lot of strip clubs. Really? He owned a lot of the famous ones we know. Yeah, he's like rich. Like he's wealthy off of that. Yeah. Uh, I saw that it. That was one uh, of my favorite songs. Him and- I would say that was one of my favorite songs when I was young. But continue. Yeah, it, it blew my mind. I had no clue, but that's why he left rap. So he ran into Fifty Cent one time. And 50 was like, let me borrow a dollar. And the dude was like, and I'm thinking, like, he ain't got no dollar. And then they started to kind of talk about it. And he was like, hey, stop, stop. And literally, that's when I started to research and look his name up on a bunch of documents. Yeah, bro, he owns like 15 or 16 of them that we know of. Man, passive income. <laughs> you know. <that's> income. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so- yeah, my bad. I didn't mean to take you from your question that you had earlier. My bad, man. Oh, no, you good, brother. You good? Oh, no. It was basically, um, Got two, I got two things and we're going to close it out. Um, so the first one is about politicians getting more, as we see now, they're more di- it's a more diverse crop of candidates running for elected office, racial mm-hmm. background, gender, sex, whatever you may have it, mm-hmm. you know. So I was trying to get your thoughts. So like if we have more, more diversity, less uh, uh, homogeneous type of crop of white people in office, do you think that more black and people of color will take will pay me more in tune to political arena and or and or do you see do you think or foresee we have a little bit more progressive change that benefits us all as a country whenever you you have more cultural people um with deep cultural ties you know playing a part of the political process it's important though like they're not an american substitute for you know, what a, what a white person would have done. But I think even by default, I'm not too fearful of that because it's it's one of those things where if more people are playing in the sandbox, the sandbox will undoubtedly be fair. So I think you're going to see more progressive uh, policies, but at the same time, um, I think, you know, you still have to be intentional about identity politics in the sense of being able to get stuff for your community. Um, if you don't call out Black folk, I still feel like you'll systematically omit them, even if you're not trying to. So it's one of those things where you still have we still have to have a seat at the table, no matter you know if it's an Indian, Asian woman, whoever, um, in a certain position, because we still have to have someone that speaks 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 about our cultural significance and our challenges, because there there's still challenges and the way that you would address, you know, poverty among. You know, some Indian kids in, in Houston is totally different than how you respond to black kids. So it's just one of those things where I think it is better for sure. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So I want to end this, uh, end this on a note. Uh, we really do appreciate you having you here, um, sharing your thoughts and sharing your time with us. So I want to end this on, on this question. So what do you what is your outlook for the remainder of the year and going into the next year? And like, what are some of your thoughts? So. You mean personally or? Personally, you know, how how you see the world, you know, we're in this pandemic, how it's going to play out, elections, and what do you see 
for the upcoming year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll change them depending on who wins the election. Um, I don't see that happening, but, um, you know, whoever wins. Um, I got to finish up this uh, American Leadership Forum. Um, we'll be getting into the second half uh, come December. We started back in April. But what that. typically happens with that program, mm -hmm. what typically happens with that program is we're supposed to go to Denver um, for a week retreat. And uh, that did not happen due to uh, COVID. So there's some things that still have to kind of get ironed out. Um, I think I'm going to be focused on a lot of my planning skills and being more intentional about things I sign up for rather than kind of doing these catch all buckets and helping so many people that I end up, you know, stretching myself too thin. Um, I think I'm going to probably not apply, but look into uh, PhD uh, programs. Um, I want to do something like org psychology, um, but I got to see what that means. This is probably the perfect time to do it if I was going to go Ivy um, or attempt to go Ivy uh, because of being able to go virtual. Um, oh. I wasn't trying to live in New Haven, Boston. Like, nah. I know that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did live in Boston and had a good time in the summer, but I luckily didn't stay for the winter. Um, um, so I think those, um, and then obviously, you know, trying to work on a, a child. So those are like the more specific ones uh, that are like directly in my radar. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, there might be some opportunities to pivot professionally. I haven't decided if I'm going to try to, you know, stay in the county. Um, the money dip hurt. Like, I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that. I still like my coins. I like <laughs> peace of mind, man. Like, so I'm driven by peace of mind, right? And having the resources to go and get peace of mind, which you know, if I can get over to Jamaica once a month, I would. Like, I love that place. Um, so it's one of the things too, man. It's just, it's, it's pivotal for me, I guess, right now. So it's a little more chaotic, but, um, you know, I'm excited for the future. Um, and so I'm going to just continue to keep my head down, continue to produce um, for these organizations and, uh, you know, home run this November 3rd election. Um, if I can do that, hopefully I can ride those coattails into um, um, positions uh, elsewhere. So we'll see. Um, I enjoy directly impacting human beings um, more so than I was able to when I was at uh, previous corporations like, uh, and no knock on it, uh, Shell and the rest of them. Um, and I'm about to go get a long winded, but so for, for example, like think about oil and gas, right? People think, okay, destroying the planet, um, particularly uh, pitting um, uh, tyrannical uh, African leaders against the people, right? Nigeria, the coast of, you know, name any damn near coast um, where they're drilling, right? And those are negatives. Like, those are complete inhumane practices, right? But no one thinks about all the oil that goes into hospitals that save lives. Um, no one thinks about, you know, the oils, uh, the, 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 the uh, fossil fuels that go in machines and these things. And they may have been the design, right? Like, if we get fossil fuels involved in everything, how do you, how do you intrinsically move it? How do you wipe it out of the system? So it, it, there's, it's not just to appreciate petroleum or fossil fuels more. What I'm getting more at is how do we see these things before they happen? Like how do you see an industry where if they have negative, negative aspects to them, how do we beat them to marketplace and have them change? For example, when Instagram was starting, why didn't we envision the negatives of that? Why didn't we think of ways in which this won't be good and so that we could impact Instagram before it 
you know, it gets as big as it gets. Um, and so those are the things I, I think I'm focused on. Um, we're trying to get better at identifying. Like, for example, the face recognition. I think some of those active uh, activist investors at Amazon, not Amazon, yeah, Amazon, I think it was, uh, that blocked Bezos from selling the technology to... Oh, uh, the police, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that was deep, right? Like, that's but that's what we got to do. And so even for what Wallace is talking about doing, right, you got to have money, man. Like, there is no way, like, I've been at tables where people have said, you know, hey, Jerry, we want you here because you represent the African-American voice. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's like a position of leadership. So I get in there and I can tell because I have no money. The conversation isn't the same with me. Like, it's almost like, yeah, okay, yeah, you ain't got no real money. Like, that's how that's treated. And so I, I really believe people are going to have to be, um, you know, if you're not into getting money, I think you might have to try and find someone who is in order to carry out a lot of the things that you want to do socially, but you have to have bread at the table. Now, once you get the bread, you can make bread irrelevant if you want to, but you're going to have a hard time with that in itself because when you get, when you start to make money, you become intrinsically tied to the mechanisms that make money. Right. And so then you can't say everything you can't do everything that you want to do because you'll violate your new class of people that you're around. And so it's, it's complicated, man, but you got to have cash. I don't know how else you do it. You know, I think um, you touched on a very um, interesting topic. Just circling back to what you said about Obama and during his years, uh, you know, the, what was it called? The Occupy Wall Street, Don Dury, mm-hmm. the different corporate executives that he had in his administration cabinet. Um, and then there's the new terminology that they um, have labeled those type of Democrats as corporate Democrats. You know, yeah. I've always had that type of mentality of uh, when it comes to both the political parties on a federal level, on a federal level, and possibly at all levels, is that they really, to sign to a point you made earlier, that they really need each other. They're in cahoots. I will say that to everybody who want to listen. They're in cahoots. They keep each other. They keep each other you know, as each other's opponent. They don't want no extra new opponent. They want to keep each other as each, each other's opponent. And I think that kind of correlates what you just said. Like, you know, you, you know, you need money, right? So the Democrats, using the Democrats, they said they needed money. And so, so when you get money, now you in a new, you're in a new socioeconomic status. And so now your peers or your contemporaries who are rich Republicans, you know, don't want you to be doing stuff that's going to shake up, you know, like, yeah, we know what your roots are or what your original principles are, but you and this, you and this new crew, you and this new crew, you rolling with us now, you know? And so I guess but, it, it's complicated or- uh, and, one of the, and one of the first tenets of, of retaining power, right? Or maintaining power is predictability. And as much as you can get that out of society or a human being, you've essentially turned them into a double C battery, right? And so, it's, it's, it's in that logic frame. So when they get power, the easiest, the easiest things they can, you know, measure for are predictable outcomes. They know if we do this to a group of people, this will be the outcome. And so you even spoke to that other piece too, with the significance of difference. I don't have an identity unless I have a polar opposite. What is Batman without Joker? Mm-hmm. Like what, he's just a man walking around. He's just a wealthy dude who can beat up people, but who is he beating up? Right. What is he doing without an adversary? And so that's the duality or the binary piece that if we're serious about those, you know, getting rid of those things that we have to really work on. But even think of it this way, too. It's like 
people will say, okay, Obama, bad. And I, I think he's just the same as pretty much everybody else. Um, we we better we're a better nation off if we got Romney. Nah, not even close. So it's one of those things where it's like, how is that not significant to people? Because that could have been the outcome too. And it's like, nah, we wouldn't survive that. It would have been worse. You Romney, like you talk about a dude who know how to turn value out of nothing. It's him. He can you know, pay billions of bucks to do that. Bang capital. You know, you know uh, who I thought. Um, if it was a sport, if it was a sports analogy, who I compare Obama to, it would mm-hmm. I would compare Obama to the Trent Dilfer of the Baltimore Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. He was a good manager of the, he wasn't he wasn't going or or Peyton Manning when he was with the Broncos. He wasn't gonna do anything that was going to cause them to lose the game. Either one of those quarterbacks at the time, right? I know I'm comparing them to two white men, but follow me. You know, um, both those quarterbacks at the time when they won the Super Bowl, they were just good managers. They did enough to get the victory. They didn't do anything to rock the bowl or cause them to lose or do anything that was too catastrophic. So I just think everyone on the sense of it like that, like, you know, like he, like, you know, of the critiques, they say that he ran on all these principles, but when he got into office, it was like a, a 180, you know? He never got back to that full 360 to back to who he originally was, who he campaigned was as a, a community advisor. But we're not going to oh, bash Obama. I, I, think, and I, think, I think, so for example, I don't think we have, we're not at this current state of truly having medical for all conversations without him. Like he literally brought that to the forefront. So let me even apply it to Trent Dilfer. What are the Baltimore Ravens before the chip? They're not really a relevant franchise. So even though he's a game manager, they won, and now they're a significant franchise. Like Baltimore has more relevance than we do. And we from Texas. So it's like that that's one of the larger picture things where it's like you don't have to overly praise someone, but you can praise someone just the right amount and move on to someone else. And I think Obama was a masterful um, manager of a lot of things. Uh, when you mm-hmm. think about all the things that were impacting society and he was getting blamed for and having to manage all of those things, I thought he did exceptionally well outside of, you know, the the website crashing and shit. But outside of that, I thought he, he brought management really well. And, and one of the things that, allows me to appreciate that more is because of Donald. Like, he's anti-manager, right? Like, anti-planning anything. And mm-hmm. we see the fruits of that. It's trash. Mm-hmm. It's trash. Right. So, I mean, because see, it's some people with great ideas. Maybe they can't manage an office. It's some of the most basic skills that you need. Right. Fundamentals. And I mean, and when you throw, when you throw out the fundamentals and you just wing it, and you see what happens when you just wing it. You know? You don't know what's going to happen day to day. Right. 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 And then, and that's, and that's to, to tie into a point that you made about foreseeing about um, Facebook or, or Obama's presidency or Trump's presidency. I think that's one of the key components when it comes to human beings. We don't all have that foresight. We have that, that definition of faith, you know, walking without actually having to see it, you know what I'm saying? But actually believing in this. I think a lot of people um, of a specific demographic, white, you know, believed in Trump. You know, it was a white lad, as um, Van Jones uh, characterized it. 
But I think they got what they wanted, right? They thought this Trump was going to be, you know, was going to put them back into like some higher level stratosphere, socioeconomic. In actuality, this, I think, and I always tell people this, Trump was coming into this year like chest out, beat impeachment, everything, you know? This was like, this COVID-19, this pandemic, man, was a reality check how bad he handled it about how bad a management was. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, too, with, with, you know, white folks. I don't even think they give a shit whether he was successful or not. I think the most important thing to them, to to that really group group base, was that they had someone fighting. And that's all that matters to them. Because they feel like someone fight for the common white man in a long time. But how ironic that it's a, a rich white dude who's really from the Northeast and has democratic or corporate democrat um simpleties or whatever but it's being a champion but it, it it that just shows you how easily manipulable that that group of people are and and now with the internet i mean it's it's incredible how much you can get them into a frenzy i check fox news comments maybe about three times a day <laughs> i mean granted someone probably box but i mean you talk about some strange thinking like it is it's bizarre yeah, he's a superhero. Like I, I think people like, especially liberal dem- Democrat um, demographic, they un- they underestimate like how people view, especially white people view. They view this man as a superhero. Like they view him as a god. So, no, no, I think they get it. I think they do. They just don't know what to do about it. No, I definitely think because there's a level us uh, white liberal circles. They like because they, they try to distance themselves. From Trump, they didn't want to admit that. Say, hey, there's a reason why Trump is in this position. There's a, they want to be like, oh, and kind of like they try to um, separate themselves from kind of like by telling all people to vote because they believe that America is more liberal than it is. But they don't want to come to grips that this is a highly conservative nation and Trump is in his position for a reason. It's not by accident. And I think a lot of people need to come to grips with that. With that hard fact, like Trump is in this position, he's not the first person. He was not even the worst option in that election, to be real. Like we had Ted Cruz, shit would have been totally. But it's like there's a reason why Trump got into the office. So I think until we have an honest conversation of like how did he get here and what propelled him in that position, I don't think. I think he would be able to hold. I would think we'd be able to hold a Ted Cruz more accountable um, just because of his articulation. There are things that he just won't try. Some of Trump tries is because he's just really an ignoramus. Like, if 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 he thought, if, if he had an, enough in intellect, he'd have more barriers of checking what he says. And he clearly doesn't because he hurts himself often and to no benefit. So the only way I can process that is, is because he really doesn't know what he's doing and he's ignorant. Like he's more ignorant than Do I think he understands some very crucial concepts that he used against Democrats? Absolutely. But he's not a brainiac by any means. I think Ted is a little bit smarter than he is in that regard. Plus, Donald frenzies people up more than Ted does. So the ability of being able to be more conscious and be more together on things, I think improved um, under a Trump because it's easier to galvanize under him against him. I kind of disagree. Um, 
Fair point. Trump is intellectual in a sense of he knows who's pandering to. He's an idiot savant. He's he's pandering to like the anti-intellectual crowd, the people who hate the um, class of people who went to college, who comes off intelligent. Like he's pandering to those people, people who are working in the rural areas. That's why he did when it came out to the first election. That's where he toured. He's like, I'm trying to win the electoral college. I'm tour in rural areas, speak their language. And I'm not saying people in the rural areas are uneducated or anything like that. But I'm saying like he's pandering to a specific set of people who hated how articulate Obama was, who hated how Obama came off as, especially as a black man. And he was pandering toward us that people, which, which I kind of understand. Um, and, and I don't, and I don't describe that. I, I do think that happened, but I don't describe that as intellectual. I just think it's awareness, right? Like he knows who his crowd is, but where he's ignorant, right, is that he attacked farmers. The same group. So it's like, you're an idiot. Like, you don't get that? And he didn't have to do it. He, that's didn't, the, he didn't that's know the, he was doing Republican it. logic, though. Um, they don't, yeah, but I mean, he had no awareness that the fallout that happened with the farmers was even going to happen. He didn't realize his policy was going to impact them. That's idiocy to me. No, that's right. I feel like he don't want to hurt farmers. I feel and like then he tried to throw money at it, which was even dumber, rather than fix the problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's some things, bro. It's like, dude, I think a 30 year old man can do better with. I think some of it, he's he's gonna, and that's a benefit to us. As loud and as charismatic as he is, he's going to be attractive to people. He's gonna make mistakes. We just got to be prepared for him and actually do something about them. But we don't do that, right? Like we let him control the narrative 90% of the time because he knows no matter what he says was wrong or blurts out, he can bring back the narrative with the simple. And he'll go, think, yeah, you know what's boogeyman? The nigga. And once he gets back on that shit, we stuck. We act like we don't know how to respond to that shit. I think I remember reading something about Donald Trump and where he was like, he's a very good, he is, he's developed a shrewdness of, like you said, media manipulation. He has learned how to you know, galvanize or rev people up in the media. And he knows how to get their attention and hold it. Just like you said earlier, instead of we, we talking about the whole alphabet, all 26 letters, we, talk, we stopped at G, the seventh letter, you know, and we focused on that G and never got to the end. And so, but that that's why I say, I, I personally characterize him as an idiot savant because, you know, an idiot savant could be really good at one thing, but it'd be terrible in every other aspect of life. And so, you know, when you talk about, that's a person that, that's why I agree with the analysis that they call him a sociopath. You know, he's definitely a sociopath. That means he's charismatic. Sociopaths are all charismatic. There's not been a single one that hasn't. And then the other aspect of that as well is that um, he knows how to manipulate people and get them to go along with them. That's part of the charismatic aspect of it. So, you know, he he's not that. afraid. He's huh? not afraid of criticism. Like, I've never, I don't think there's been a president in history who's been this cavalier about not being liked and could care less. Like, you have other people who probably don't care what other people think, but they still do things to mitigate you being able to say something bad about them, whether it's they're going to lie or cover it up. It's usually what they do, typically cover it up. Trump don't care about what you say, what you think, and he will do it in front of your face. Like, if, who else would say, I could shoot a man and I, I get away with it? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it definitely speaks to the sociopath part. 
but I mean, yeah, he, he just lacks, he has void of, of feelings. Like, he's just, it doesn't bother him. So it, it keeps him so on message and on target. Whereas someone else would falter because shit, it is something that still pumps in your chest. Like you can pull most people's heartstrings. He don't have them. So it's like, what you pulling at? Right. Get him him in his pockets. You like then he gonna start. He, then he, then you got that's him. his heart. That's his heart. Right. But clearly don't have the money he used he used to have or did, didn't never have. I don't know how you describe it, but he clearly on the tab with Russians, and and that's what they don't want us to see when they <laughs> books. And so because they don't want us to see that part, um, you know, he he gets to to walk around extra bold and confident. But I guarantee you, on them Putin phones, he he probably. Quiet as a church mouse, man. Right, right. I think another thing aspect of it, I think um looking into here, um, is that he understands the how to weaponize the adversarial court system. He has he has artfully mastered how to weaponize taking somebody to court. You you know, you don't like what I did, sue me. And then there's a um it was actually actual terminology about that when you when you talked about Monsanto earlier they're they're one they're one of the companies that actually mastered this uh, it's called slap strategic lawsuit against public participation where you were talking about like you know you have money in order to play you know what I'm saying so never heard of slap so it's basically like um there's somebody to sue you. And then you will bury them in lawsuits and uh, legal expenses so that they can't fight back, you know? But. Yeah, but I mean, like, and just to kind of come back to that filter piece, like, Cheney is probably well, one of the most diabolical people we've ever had as VP, right? He still doesn't want to go to a dinner and, and, be, and be treated like he's Satan. I feel like Trump will keep treating like he's saying and cheer that shit. Like he'll he'll clap back. He just doesn't give a shit. And I think, you know, there's a population of people who are attracted to that and have been waiting for a person like that a, a long time to just be as that you know dastardly as possible and screw social norms and despises them and all that. I mean, he's the perfect character for that. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, bro. Um, Wallace, you got any other questions for for our brother yeah. here? Yeah, I was going to say you want to put, like, you talked about business service earlier. Uh, not to, like, actually question about business, but just, like, you know, you want to plug them in one more time, talk about them one more time. You know, it's, you know, free advertising, free plug-in. You know, we call it Oh, no, 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 man. Because if you're not in Harris County, it's not much for you. But um, if you have any business ideas uh, and, and really want to get them to marketplace, um, you know, I have some experience doing that, and I, I love helping people. So if you want to um, do that, you know, definitely reach out to the hosts and get my information and uh, we'll chat. Okay. Do you have any social media or websites people contact you also at? Hell no. No, I'm just kidding. I do have a Twitter and I'm starting to get more on there, which is interesting because I've been doing it this weekend and it's, it's a lot going on on Twitter, bro. And Twitter, but, uh, you can get to negative spaces in Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, yeah, I'm getting drowned by Confederate flag people right now as we speak. But, uh, um, Turn notifications off. Huh? Turn them notifications off. Turn notifications? Oh, they already are. I don't do no notifications, bro. I don't like I don't like feeling controlled. So that's why I normally don't have my ringer on. Like, don't like you're not gonna pin me into a time slot like that. Like, so mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm weird in that way. But uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. 
uh, Jared C. Morgan. Um, straightforward is the is the page. You should find me. Um, it should say Senior Advisor to the County Clerk of Harris County. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most effective way to reach me, man. Um, Shouts out to a few organizations I represent, uh, 100 Black Men, uh, uh, ACMP, which is the Association of Change Management Professionals. Um, definitely uh, want to leave this with party with people. Your city has a lot of resources that you aren't aware of that you can be taking care, taking advantage of for free. Um, leadership programs, different things of that nature. So I just implore you, implore you, implore you to check out um, those different things um, that are available, you know, whether it's going to get you more involved, get you more connected to people who one could be in your profession or, um, you know, have the same interests as you. And so uh, definitely connect with people, man. Stop doing stuff in a silo. I know a lot of it, a lot of us do that. We have comfortable doing that, but imagine how much you could scale up if you joined like-minded people. So don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of sharing your vision. Get people who fuck with your vision. Yeah, that makes sense. I just want to say one more um, plug-in. We do have two FAMU graduates, so we have to acknowledge the graduates. FAMU. Right, that's right. Even I, I, know, I, thought, I thought that was known in, in how I walk and talk. <laughs> Even though I'm Morehouse grad, I have to shout out. You know, show. And you know what? You know that, that I want to make sure we get this clear, too. So it's two public school graduates on here, and then you got elitist private school institutions. <laughs> I'm not going to name those schools, but you know, it's out there. You can get that information for yourself. This is why we don't give HBCU love. This is why there's so much black on black crime. I can't even believe you call yourselves HBCU. It's a myth. I'm shocked. It's a myth. I'm shocked. I thought you would have called yourselves uh, something like uh, the Luminaries or something like that. <laughs> Jerry, we do appreciate you. Ha um. <laughs> I appreciate you, brothers, for having me on, man. I had fun. Uh, I hope this continues to grow um, and go. Um, if you ever need any uh, people to interview, that'll be interesting and entertaining. Uh, let me know. I got cats for you. All right. Perfect, man. We appreciate you again, bro. In fact, um, yeah, we can talk offline, but I think there's some, some people that you'd enjoy interviewing. Some okay. different angles. <laughs> that definitely works. All right. Okay. All right, so we're going to go ahead and sign out. Thank you again for everyone for tuning in.